Medtronic Technologies impacted more than 72 million people in the last year, equating to two people every second. Harnessing the power of technology to take healthcare further, each technology has unique benefits designed to serve patients. The goal of this program is to get closer to the patient and delve into the challenges and impact of each technology in practice. This is the Medtronic MedEd Learning Experience. The McGrath Mac video laryngoscope and McGrath Mac disposable laryngoscope blades are intended to be used by trained and licensed individuals to gain a view of the vocal cords during medical procedures. Medtronic's medical education programs are offered to provide attendees education on the FDA-cleared indications and use of our products when applicable. The contents and conclusions of the following program are solely those of the speakers unless otherwise cited. The speakers are responsible for all content and necessary permissions. The speakers received funding from Covidian LP, a Medtronic company, for this speaking engagement. For this segment of the series, a discussion on safe airway management, what are some of the airway management choices available? To provide insight into this topic is Dr. Adam Thaler, Department of Anesthesiology Assistant Professor, Jefferson University Hospital. So what are our choices? Because we all have choices when we're about to intubate. We can do this awake um, or asleep, right? So if you really think this patient cannot tolerate any whatsoever um, anesthesia, uh, then you might have to do this awake. For instance, I had a patient just earlier in the week who had a mediastinal mass, lymphadenopathy that was compressing the lung and the trachea. So that was one of those situations where they're like, we can't induce, we can't give anything to blunt your, your spontaneous ventilation. Um, your other options are preservation or ablation of um, ventilation. Actually, that's what we just discussed. Um, then we have fiber optic versus VL, uh, which we've discussed how FOBs dropped where VL has increased. And then VL versus CL, right? So that's kind of the biggest decision now. Um, at our institution, we now do more video laryngoscopies than direct laryngoscopies. I know that's not the case everywhere. Um, there's different reasons for that. Maybe they don't have the devices, or maybe they think there's a cost issue, um, or maybe they want the trainees to get experience. Different reasons. But what are some benefits of VL? Uh, one benefit, better visualization, like we, like we all know. Higher success rate, which you're going to see some studies that show that. Faster learning curve, right? So you're going to be able to see what you're looking at, and the practitioner that's a that's the attending can look with them. Um, the unanticipated difficult airways are less frequent if that's your first line approach, right? Because if you go from a DL to another DL, then you switch providers and you try to find a VL, it might be too late. Shorter time to intubate, fewer sore throats, uh, less fluctuations in your hemodynamics, and also it's a nice teaching aid. And it's nice to share the view, right? So especially with your colleagues in the thoracic world for your, your double lumen tubes, um, and also for your ENT colleagues uh, when we're doing those thyroids or parathyroids and you have those NIMS tube, because um, you want to have the, the line, the blue line, because of the nerve monitoring right at the vocal cord. So what are ASA guidelines? So ASA guidelines are that VL, the laryngoscopy, can and should be considered as an initial approach to intubation. VL can be an option following failed intubation, right? That's how it's been for a while. And VL can be formed awake or following induction of general anesthesia. So that's that's great too. So a lot of times you see, you know, we can induce, then you do a fiber optic. But now what we're finding is it's it's 
pretty, pretty easy to do the VL after the patients are, are induced, even, even, um, even with all the issues. The morbidly obese patients, uh, incidence of difficult to intubate are higher, but incidence of difficult to ventilate are much more difficult. So we always knew that they're harder to ventilate, right? With all the extra, extra tissue and so forth, but it also is harder to intubate. Um, and the McGrath in a study showed significant better visualization than the Macintosh. So fewer difficult intubations were compared to the DL. Um, so this is interesting, VL and urgent intubations, right? And this actually does relate to what I see now in the, in the emergency room. Actually, even just uh, this week, I was down in the trauma bay uh, and all that they're using now is video laryngoscopy. Uh, and that's because what they've showed in the last couple of years that VLs are the first line in about two thirds of all. And at least in my institution, it's the only thing that they do use because they found that that the VL was superior in this data set of a couple of years, looking at 11,000 intubations. I mean, in ICU specifically, they took 200 plus patients and found that the difficult to intubate was four times less with a VL. So what's the conclusion here? The VL should be used as the primary device when urgent intubations are performed. Um, and this, this has by less experienced operators, less or more. I don't think that has anything to do with it. It's more so uh, where they're located and how urgent it is to get that, that tube in um, in a fast uh, regard when you're in the ICU or um, in the ER. So first attempt at success. This is a great trial, uh, the Evan trial, looking at the first pass intubations. So basically they took Macintosh blades and McGrath blades, um, 2,000 healthy patients, elective surgery, and what they showed was 82% success rate from your first try with the Macintosh first 94% with McGrath. And this is similar to uh, some other VLs as well um, in these healthy patients. And it increased to 96%, which is good with the Macintosh, but is 99.2% for the McGrath. So that's, that to me is, is right there, the, the incredible. Uh, overall intubation success rate, which has jumped tremendously. Uh, and then here, look at down here in blue, intubation difficulty scale was higher using DL compared to the McGrath. So it was even harder when they looked at it too. So the fastest and best odds of that first pass success rate was VL, is what you can, what you can say there. So this was an interesting study that I just came across recently, um, looking at six different VLs, right? They took the, the McGrath, the CMAC, King Vision, GlideScope, AirTrack, and AP Advance. And, and I've only been accustomed with the AirTrack, GlideScope, uh, McGrath, and CMAC. Um, but what they did was they took um, a dozen different practitioners that were all advanced. They took 720 patients and they took a seat collar and they put them on these, patient, these patients, right? So I've never heard of a study like this. And it's really interesting because now you're making them already difficult, which is one of the points, if somebody has a difficult airway, then you want to use the VL. But what I didn't know, so in, in really quick, so it went from 46 to 23 millimeters, their mouth open, right? When they put the C-collar on. So um, what we found was that this, the McGrath and the CMAC were su far superior to the other devices. The AP Advance um, really didn't perform well at all. And the Glasgow and King Vision were in the mid eighties. So what was the, the problem here? Because most studies I've seen in the past showed 
that the McGrath and the Glyscope, which are the two most studied uh, video laryngoscopies, are very similar in terms of their first pass and their, their success rate. So it, it had to do with the tube advancement. So a lot of these, so 59% for all of these guys said that the view is excellent, but only 37% were able to perform a tracheal intubation and with the tube um, that the tube allowed. So as you probably know that the GlideScope um, is a little bit bulkier of a device. And so it might've been harder for it to get in when you had that C collar um, in place. Whereas like the design of the blade, the shape, the curvature, the position of the video camera, those all influence the performance. And you know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny timing. Just yesterday when I was in the MRI, the patient had a C collar and I was working with the nurse anesthetist and I was like, what do you want to use this, with this patient? And he goes, a McGrath. I go, why do you want to use a McGrath? And he goes, oh, because I'll be successful. I'm not, usually it's hard for me to intubate with the C collar with a glyscope. So that was, that was firsthand what, what he told me yesterday. And it's kind of funny timing when I was, when I was looking at this study. So definitely something to, to remember. Um, so less hemodynamic change this is what we were saying, one of the benefits for the video laryngoscopy. So you can see here in the dark blue, that's the Macintosh. Um, and so what happens is when you use a blade, you've got this a little bit more of a trauma, right? You're putting a metal, hunk of metal into someone's mouth and that causes a sympathetic uh, response. So you have actually a few minutes, you can see T2 T minutes after induction, even T3 minutes, it's still elevated, right? Pretty, pretty dramatically, about 20, 30%. Whereas if you look at the um, McGrath, which is the, the orange guy right here, um, that one is hard, once you intubate T1, it stays low, and doesn't really doesn't go up from there. So that's kind of interesting, especially for those patients that have um, certain cardiac issues, right? So let's say you have, because heart rate is the same over here. Let's say you have somebody with aortic stenosis. You wanna keep their heart rate slow. Um, and if it goes off, that could be detrimental. They won't have that time in diastole to fill and, and there could be some issues. So that's something you can avoid by using a, a video laryngoscopy here. So what are some myths? Uh, the use of the VL labels someone as a difficult airway. I used to believe this. I used to think that, oh, if they use the VL, this patient has got to be challenging. Um, but that's no longer true. There's a lot of reasons why we do VL, um, as we all know, from trainees to just because we feel more comfortable with them to COVID cases or, or just because that's what we want to, to do. Um, we can't use the VL if patients vomiting and bleeding in the mouth. Uh, that's not true. So some people think because there's the camera, there's a lens on it that you can have a difficult um, view, but you could say the, the same thing with a, a regular blade too, so that you can also have difficulty. So as long as you have your suction available, um, there shouldn't be a problem there. Um, it's expensive. So that's, that's where my study kind of came into play, looking at McGrath's first glide scopes, which I'll show you in a little bit in a new study that I'm, I'm working on currently. Um, and it's a new technique to learn. So it, it could be, you know, with the glide scope, you have to go right down midline, kind of go underneath the tongue and lift up, right down Broadway, I like to say. But with the McGrath, it's very similar to the Macintosh, right? You go to the, the right of the tongue, you sweep the tongue over, and, and you lift up to see the, uh, the vocal cords, the retinoids, and so forth. So what, what's been going on since with COVID? And, you know, this is a patient safety um, discussion, but also practitioner safety. So 
these patients are coming in with no reserve, right? Uh, you know, which makes it hard to then like that one slide, they drop their stats really fast. So they start low and they quickly drop. Um, so careful airway evaluation is not possible, right? So a lot of times you don't go in there and ask them to open their mouth. They're probably on a BiPAP at this point or on high flow nasal cannulas. You're not gonna be opening their mouth. Um, PPE makes it clumsy, right? So you're putting on this, this gown and extra gloves and you're putting on um, this papper and it's just, it just really takes, um, takes a lot of extra bulkiness and, and makes it more challenging than you're used to. And that makes it so you don't have your backup supplies. If you don't have it in the room, it's very hard to, to get it. And the door's closed. So you can't yell to ask for, for something like an LMA or a video laryngoscopy. Um, so no one's you know, there to help. And also you've got pressure. I'll tell you, like I've intubated thousands and thousands of, of patients, but my heart rate still goes up whenever I have a COVID airway. Um, it, it's, it's something that it's, it's a different feeling, you know, because I think I'm worried. Obviously, the patient is uh, a little bit scarier in terms of what can happen if you're not successful right away, but also with us. And it's also changed airway protocols, right? So you have to protect the patient airways, but now we're protecting ourselves. So what are we doing to protect ourselves? We're um, wearing the PPE, but we're also trying to limit our proximity to the airway. So that's why VL, one of the reasons why VL is so recommended. Um, higher success rate, so you're in there for less time, you're further away from the airway as well. Um, you know, before we were having just the anesthesiologists do the intubations to limit the repeated attempts, it turned into almost no experience was being received from these residents. So now a senior resident or somebody that does feel comfortable uh, with the airway are now intubated, at least at my institution. Um, and then pre-oxygenation. So, you know, that's ideal. Uh, you want to avoid that manual ventilation so those aerosols don't come out, um, but it's definitely different than it used to be. Uh, and this is from the Canada Journal showing that VL is now recommended for all COVID air airways. It's something that we've already been doing um, since the beginning, but it is now in literature. Um, so this is OH, OHMS maze. I'm sure um, a lot of you guys have seen this before, looking at oxygen, um, helpers, the monitors, the suction uh, machine. And now with airway supplies, that's the, the bolded one here, um, video laryngoscopy is now um, needs to be functional and have a DL as a backup, right? Um, so that's very, very key, an IV and drug. Um, and then I'm going to have a summary, and then I want to talk a little bit about the um, studies that I'm working on. So unanticipated tracheal intubations and failure to intubate are among the leading causes of anesthesia-related M&M. Uh, laryngoscopies do perform better clotic visualizations with a higher success rate for difficult airways. And they should be used for all COVID-19 patients. Um, and the ASA guidelines for difficult airway now do incorporate the video laryngoscopy as one of the four techniques for management. Um, it could be the initial strategy. I wanted just to to brush up on what we what we found with that study that I that I published. Um, so what we realized was just in this is probably back in 2020, right before COVID um, was was a thing, was that we were using more McGraths than Glidescopes. But I was trying to figure out what the cost was because we were using a lot of these compared to DL. So I looked at it, and the big thing was that the sleeves were 
quite a bit more expensive in the glyscopes than the McGraths. And so I looked at it, the full picture, right? So, you know, what about the device and how much those cost and the maintenance and, and put all those together. And we had this, a study that was published um, just about six months ago. And what we showed was about a 55% um, decrease in the cost from the McGrath compared to the Glidescope. And again, this is a safety lecture. We looked at made sure that safety was the same. So safety, whether we use one or the other, that's already been studied. They're both very similar. There was that one study which I showed with C collar that was different, but for the most part. So, you know, just really quick throwing out some numbers. We had 34,000 plus intubations over 24 months, 11,000 plus were VL. Out of those, um, half were McGrath and half were Glyscope in the study. And we ended up using more, um, so it started off with more Glyscope and then we switched over to more McGrath towards the end of the study. One, because of more COVID and we were using the McGrath um, because it was easier to transport and to get to these patients, um, but also because we the study that I was working on started getting some some traction at our institution. And we were realizing that it was a little bit more economical, especially with where healthcare dollars are going these days. So that was that was exciting, right? So we, we saved the over 24 months, we saved the hospital $182,000. That's real money. Um, and this was a retrospective study. So then what we decided to do from there, which we're looking at now is direct laryngoscopies versus VLs. So there's gotta be a cost of VLs and technology has just changed, right? So you know, with video laryngoscopy, it's, it's really changed how, how we do our intubations and how we look at safety, right? I mean, you can say the same thing for maps. I, we, back when I was 16, we, I was printing out MapQuest and learning how to read a map and that's how I was getting around and I would have to stop and ask the gas stations where, where to go. Now everyone has navigation systems, whether it's Waze or Google Maps or whatnot, Garmin in your car. Um, so it's just, it changed almost overnight and that's all we do now. So at, at a certain point, you know, we can look at different things that have happened recently, right? Ultrasound. When I was in training, we were using ultrasound um, sometimes for central lines and for nerve blocks, but not, not all the time because my professors told me, oh, you have to know the anatomy, um, which you do, but they're like, you have to know the anatomy and, and it's important to be able to do both ways in case you don't have that device when you're out in practice. So we can fast forward to even a five plus years ago and it's now an ASA standard. You have to use an ultrasound with nerve blocks. You have to use an ultrasound with central line placements, right? To avoid the complications of pneumothorax and, and carotid artery puncture. I mean, those are real things. So we have a VL, which we all see that the benefits are, they're vast, um, but it's not currently mandatory, right? It's, it's, a, it's a backup for some, it's first line for others, and we all know the pros of it. So if right now the study that I'm working on is looking at what's the cost of a direct laryngoscopy? Uh, you think, oh, it's just a, it's a hunk of metal that you reuse, so there shouldn't be much cost. But that's not as accurate as we thought because there's the sterilization, there's the transportation, there's the cleaning, there's the drying. Um, there's all these big hunky equipment that needs to use to clean it. There's the biodegradable um, monitor. There's the, the sleeve. There's the, you can lose some. There's the battery. There's so many aspects. So we're looking at that. Um, and can compare it to the direct cost of the McGrath, but also we're looking at the indirect cost. So I've got 
a year plus worth of data to show airway complications at our institutions. So I'm going to take those patients and see how many of them were intubated with DL versus VL um, and go from there. Please tune in next week for a new segment from this series wherever you find your podcast. This is the Medtronic MedEd Learning Experience. Thank you for listening.